If you're a farmer in New York State, join the New York State Grown and Certified program to let people know your food is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network, where we bring the culture to horticulture. Do we dig them? We do dig them. (laughs) With our hands. (laughs) But not for long. Not for long. So you're listening to us on Heritage Radio Network, and we're broadcasting from two repurposed shipping containers at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And what you, as the listener, may or may not know is that there is a garden on top of these containers, which produces food for the amazing pizza and the cuisine here at Roberta's. The containers house Heritage Radio Network so that we can discuss all things food and plant related. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we uh, are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc., and we design, install, and maintain gardens in the New York tri-state area, rooftops and backyards. And today in the container, we're going to kick off a three-part segment concerning technology and horticulture. Yes, the two shall and have met. As gardeners, historically, we pride ourselves in the notion that for the home garden, the human hand will never be replaced by technology. But then, this summer... All that changed when I saw a video on social media about the farm bot. It blew our mind. It blew our (laughs) mind. So today, we are going to talk about this new approach to the home-scale DIY-scale kitchen garden. And we have an amazing guest, Rory Aronson, who's the developer of FarmBot, on the phone, calling in from headquarters in California. Welcome, Rory. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so, Rory, um, we'd love to hear more about your background and how did you think to merge this technology with robotics and and why horticulture as an application? Tell us a bit about that and, and the open source platform. Sure. So I studied mechanical engineering while I was in school, uh, but I have a pretty broad uh, range of interests. And so I took an organic agriculture class, which kind of opened my eyes to food production and, you know, the the technological processes behind it. And, uh, you know, looking at that system, I I thought to myself, well, what if we rebuilt agriculture today? What would it look like? Mm -hmm. And I think it would look something like FarmBot, which is uh, automated. So everything is computer controlled. It's all data driven, uh, really taking precision uh, a precision-first approach to agriculture. I thought it would look distributed and localized. So rather than having a lot of centralized, huge mega farms, we would have a lot more small farms, uh, you know, in people's backyards, on rooftops, in urban spaces. Mm-hmm. And so some of these ideas, 
you know, ultimately is what formed uh, the FarmBot idea and concept, which is, you know, a small-scale automated precision food production system. So if if you as a listener um, haven't seen this the the video it is it is really mind blowing it's so cool it's yeah. it's really cool um, but it's so- also a little bit it's a it, it was a little scary and disconcerting honestly Rory to see it all like to have the human hand completely out of it do you know what I mean coming from where we are in in horticulture you know where there's so much human you know touch. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So can yeah, you... You know, I, I think if you look at today's agriculture system, most people, the vast majority of people, currently are not really part of the food system at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, most, the most that they do is they go to the grocery store and they pick out what they want. But a lot of things are very processed, and, uh, you know, they have no... The, the end eater, the consumer, has no idea how the food was produced, where it came from, how it was transported and processed. Mm-hmm. And so we want to, uh, you know, open that up a little bit. Um, so even if FarmBot is actually growing the food and the end eater isn't really doing a whole lot, um, at least it's happening in their backyard. And they are somewhat controlling and dictating how uh, the food is being grown and with what practices and, uh, you know, in what quantities and at what time of the year, et cetera. So they do – we're trying to shift the, the power structure from – call it just like the mega farm or corporation back to the end consumer. Yeah. So tell, just because we're on the radio, can you describe what the viewer sees in the video? Just like, can you walk us through how FarmBot looks like and what it does? Yeah. So FarmBot uh, is kind of like a really big 3D printer. Uh, So it has these tracks that are mounted onto a raised bed. And then FarmBot moves across those tracks, and it's all computer-controlled, so it's moving on its own uh, with some motors. And then it it also moves left and right and up and down, and then that allows FarmBot to position tools very precisely in the space, in the garden space. And those tools are things like the seed injector, so it can plant seeds, a watering nozzle to water the plants, uh, sensors to learn about the soil, the plants, and the environment in order to farm smarter over time. Uh, so it's basically a, a big, you know, X, Y, Z structure that moves around and grows food for you. Um, you know, very much like a human might move through a garden space and you use your tools and your hands to do certain things. FarmBot works in that way. Right. So it and you can... control this on your phone, right? I'm sorry, what was that? You, you can control this mm-hmm. on your phone. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So we have um, a web application that you can load up on your phone or your tablet or your laptop from anywhere in the world, and that allows you to control and configure FarmBot to, to operate the way you want it to. Um, so you can actually be you know, at work at your office or on vacation halfway around the world, and you can, you can watch your garden grow, and you can, you can control it from there if you'd like to. Do you have cameras attached to it, or is that one of the possibilities? I'm sorry, what was that one? Can you have cameras attached so that you can see what's going on? Yep, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, FarmBot has a a built-in camera um, that allows you to locate the garden and and control everything by by watching it. Um, And you can also set up uh, other cameras if you'd like to, just looking at the Mm -hmm. whole garden or, or the whole space. 
So tell us about the open source platform in case people don't understand what that means. Sure, yeah. So open source means that all of our uh, source files, um, the, the kind of the source inspiration of how to build a farm nut, that's all freely available online. So that's the, all of the software, all of the hardware plans, you know, the 3D CAD models, the 2D drawings on how to manufacture stuff, uh, the electronic schematic, all of that information is available online uh, so that anybody could build a farm bot on their own. Um, so when you look at the, the intellectual property, most people would normally get a patent on, on this intellectual property, but we have open sourced it, which means there is no patent. Um, so people are free to do whatever they want with the technology. It's in the public domain. Okay. So on your website, there was a really interesting quote. Um, so I'm going to read it from your website. But if you know your way around open source software and Raspberry Pi and Arduino platforms, a farm bot in your backyard could change the future of farming. What What is Raspberry Pi, other than P-I-E, which is my favorite thing? <laughs> um, t- t- tell, us, tell us about that. Yeah, so the Raspberry Pi is um, a low-cost computer. It's about $40, and that's the brain of FarmBot. Um, so it's, it's basically just a standard computer, but it doesn't have a screen or a keyboard or a mouse. Though you could plug those in if you want, but it, they're not included with FarmBot. So that's just um, a very low-cost, widely used computer uh, that runs some open-source software, uh, an open-source operating system, uh, and also the FarmBot software. And then it's, it's plugged into the Arduino microcontroller, which is also a very popular um, little computer board that allows FarmBot to move the motors and read the sensors and stuff like that. Okay. So what do you get when you get... So let's say you order a FarmBot. Let's say you don't have the ability to build it from scratch yourself. And you order it, the package. Mm-hmm. What do you get, Rory, when you when you get that FarmBot box? Yeah, so you get all of the pieces in one box. Everything is already cut and ready to go, and you just have to assemble it. Uh, so we have developed these step-by-step assembly instructions that are available online uh, that show you exactly how to put everything together. And in case you run into problems, there's some troubleshooting tips as well. So essentially, it just saves the, the person... Uh, a lot of time because it's a lot of effort to go through and order all the parts individually from various sources. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's it's not really even feasible for an individual to do because right. uh, you need to order stuff in large quantities in order to get it at a good price. Right. Yeah. Or you need to actually have it manufactured, you know, with uh, equipment, you know, like a laser cutter or sure. uh, an injection molding machine. So <laughs> for a lot of people, it's, it's not that feasible to build a farm by yourself. You'd have to really want to kind of get involved in a project if you're wanting to do that. Uh And so that's why we offer the kit, because most people would rather just purchase a kit. So the kit, on a a scale of 1 to 10, you know, like 5 being difficulty of putting together IKEA furniture, where is FarmBot? (laughs) Uh, I'd say it's probably a 7 right now. Really? Um, Okay. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, impossible, but uh, it's not... The easiest thing in the world. I, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who hasn't tinkered and built things before. Okay. Um, and eventually, it, we we hope to you know make it easier and easier, and also maybe ship partially assembled kits. 
so the setup goes, you know, it's just a half an hour or so to set it up because it's mostly assembled. Okay. So that, that's, that's a ways off in the future. Okay. So right now it's, it's geared towards people that are tinkerers, people that want to kind of play around with, you know, electronic that are hand that are handy, you know, and that can play around with electronics and, and that kind of thing. Exactly. And, and so the consumer has to has to provide the lumber and has to build their own raised bed and has to provide the soil. Is that right? Do you give recommendations on the soil? Yeah. Um, so you're, you're correct. The consumer needs to, to provide the, the raised bed or other supporting infrastructure. So, for example, a greenhouse or, um, you know, maybe they just want to put it on normal soil not or, or native soil rather than having a, a raised bed with store-bought soil. So, um, the consumer needs to provide that, and then um, we can make recommendations eventually with the software for what type of soil and uh, they should they should get, and also what types of crops will grow well in that soil and in their environment. Okay, I want to talk about the crops because Carmen and I um, this is this is what we do, and yeah. and I'm, I'm, we're very interested in this. But first, can you elaborate a little bit more on the target market and who it's aimed at? And uh, the, like, talk about the target market and the demographic. Sure. Yeah. So, so right now we kind of touched on that. You know, the, the target market is is somebody who's a tinker or somebody who um, has experience maybe with robotics or building their own projects. Um, but also has an interest in food and wants to be able to grow their own food and have control over that process, Mm -hmm. but maybe hasn't had success with gardening before, or maybe they don't have the time uh, to be able to water a garden and take care of a garden every day in a traditional sense. Um, So they want a tool and and a toy to help them with that. That's the initial target market. Eventually, though, we hope to, um, you know, target a broader uh, audience of people. You know, people who want to grow their own food, but maybe they're not as technically inclined. And so we hope for FarmOps to become easier and easier to use over time, easier to set up. Um, the ultimate goal is FarmBot, we call, we say, as a home appliance. So most people have a refrigerator and a washing machine, and, you know, you basically just plug them in and they work. Right. Um, maybe you have to turn a few knobs and, and enter in a few settings and press go. But more or less, it's a pretty hands-off process. That's what we hope FarmOps to become eventually is you, uh, you set it up maybe in about an hour's time, and then you, you configure a few things, and then FarmBot does the rest. Um, so once we, once we achieve that technologically, then we'll be, our, our target audience will be uh, quite broad. Okay. Um, so many questions, Rory. <laughs> um, um, from, so for me... I think my nervousness would be the application part and the software part of it. I think I could figure out, you know, the mechanics and the the setting up of the system, but how how is the interface like between, you know, knowing when to water, knowing when to fertilize? T- talk a little bit about that like the applications, because if you're new to farming and you don't have a traditional understanding of like the hand in the earth and growing your own vegetables, wh- why would why would this farm bot be easier than 
a traditional method? Yeah, so a lot of that has to do with the knowledge required to grow food. So I think usually the reason why people fail at growing things is because they don't know what they're doing and also because uh, they're not diligent enough. You know, they don't go out every single day or every other day mm-hmm. to do what needs to be done in the garden. Yeah. So FarmBot takes care of that in two ways. One, it's a machine, it's a robot, it's out there all the time and has nothing else to do other than take care of the, the garden. So FarmBot's not going to forget to water the plants and it's not going to get bored of doing it. So we kind of solve that issue of, of diligence and you know requiring a human's constant attention. Uh, the other thing is the knowledge on how to grow plants, and uh, we're solving that with a, an open source database of how to grow plants based on a certain environmental conditions um, and growing practices. So the goal is that you actually don't need to know how to grow stuff. You just get to decide what you want to grow. You know, I want um, 20 tomato plants and five squash plants and, uh, you know, some potatoes over here and carrots over there. And then FarmBot internally um, kind of knows what to do from there. Based on your environment, the soil conditions, uh, you know, maybe you want to grow stuff organically or you're fine doing it conventionally, et cetera. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we're going about it. And then the, the software is we're, we're designing it to be really easy to use. So if you've ever played that game Farmville on Facebook, yeah. it became popular uh, a few years ago. Uh, we're really inspired by that game um, in in development of the FarmBot web application. So the main interface is what we call the drag and drop farm designer, which allows you to do you know just that. You choose from a list of plants, you, you choose what you want to grow, and then you drag it into the map view, which is representative of the the real life garden. And then FarmBot knows, okay, this is where I'm going to plant the the beets. This is where I'm going to plant the carrots or the lettuce. And then it does the rest from there. So it's a very kind of easy to understand game-like interface uh, mm. that that most people kind of intuitively already get because they've seen or played um, games like that before. Okay. So does it know then, like you you mentioned beets? Does it know what depth to bury those beet seeds at versus um, another variety? Is that all? Exactly. Is yeah. that all programmed so that, in? Part of that internal data that we're developing is uh, all of that knowledge. How far apart should you space the plants? How deep should they go? How many seeds in each hole? Uh, how much to water on day one, day five, day twenty? Um, what type of soil would this work best in? Should it go in the shady part or the sunny part of the garden? Uh, what type of companion plants would go well with this? All of those factors are going to play into uh, the software that allows you to ultimately grow a successful garden. What does it override? Let's say you want something and it, it like, let's say you want to plant certain plants together and it doesn't think that's a good idea based on its database. <laughs> Will it refuse to plant? <laughs> <laughs> like for example, it, when it our, will, it will tell you a strong recommendation. Okay. For that, example, my business partner. Is, failure is imminent. <laughs> But uh, it will ultimately let you do that anyways. We can't. It, it will not be. It will not control us, right? We will control it. 
Right, Rory? Yeah. Just reassure me exactly. here. I want okay. you to I want you to have I need Farmbot to have a voice and an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> then it will be a true gardener. Right. And I think the, it needs to have a Scottish voice. Yes. It needs to be Scottish. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you know, it was funny that we're doing this show because recently um I saw a video Robert Reich, the former labor secretary under right. Clinton, he, you know, the economist, he talked about robots taking all of our jobs right soon so he in, in a video recently i don't know if you saw it rory he talked about how robots are going to take all our jobs and the best thing that the government can do is just give everybody a paycheck <laughs> just just give everyone a certain amount of money but what about the robots <laughs> they need a paycheck <laughs> so i thought that was very timely you know because he said it's coming sooner than you think and then here we are talking about so I get, I get that, Rory. I get that it makes it simple because certainly Alice and I, one of the frustrations we have with our clients is that they don't pay attention. Right. We're not there every no, day. No, you're absolutely right, They're Rory. there every day and they don't pay attention as they should because life, there's other things in life besides your garden. Right. And the gardens that we take care of are not edible gardens. They're ornamental gardens. So you could argue they're not essential so they can forget about it. But some of it, some of it to me, some of the pleasure of gardening is getting in there and digging in the dirt and, you know, growing your own food and feeling that. For instance, I love dirt in my bra, (laughs) which happens a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Does that happen to farm bot? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We're goofing with you, but I'm teasing. Do you know what I mean, Rory? Like, it's sort of like we, we understand the drive for it and the certain, I could see why it would be enormously popular. For example, my son, who's 17 years old, would love the farm bot. Yeah. Because he does love to, he doesn't love to garden. He doesn't love to get dirty. He doesn't want to be in the hot sun. But he sun. loves the robotics part and of it. And he loves the technology. And he would be great mm-hmm. at putting it together and setting it up. So I definitely see, you know, a group of people that would, would, would totally be drawn to that, you know? So, Rory, my my question then is, who's helping you on the agricultural side yeah. of all this information? Um, so, not no one right now. Um, or I guess it, it's kind of a hodgepodge of people. Um, but there's no, you know, specific demographic or group of people. Um, you know, it's it's really just whoever comes to the project um, is welcome to help out. And so, the people who have helped out so far, you know, that's a range of of software developers, designers. Um, People who are just hobbyists, people who want a project to, to learn from and a community to be involved with, um, you know, but we're not specifically going and finding farmers or uh, agronomists to, to seek their help. Um, maybe that will come one day, but right now, um, you know, it's kind of whoever wants to be involved can be and is involved. Cool. All right, well, let's take a break. We have to take a couple-minute break. When we come back, we'll go more into the nuts and bolts of it, so to speak, and what kind of pro, like how much produce you get and more details. Stay on the line, Rory. We'll be right back. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Taxstar, and this track is called Pianissimo Short. (laughs) 
York State cares about New York's farmers. That's why we've developed the New York State Grown and Certified Program. It's a seal New Yorkers can look for when they're shopping for food that comes from local farms. Customers are more likely to buy food that has the New York State Grown and Certified seal because it tells them that it comes from a farm that follows environmentally responsible, farm-safe protocols. In other words, the New York State Grown and Certified Seal tells them their food is grown right, right here in New York State. You're a farmer with a lot to do, but the time it takes to sign up for the program is a great investment for your business because it lets shoppers know that your food meets higher standards, has passed assessments, and is produced by environmentally friendly farming practices. To learn about participating in the program, go to certified.ny.gov. Hi, welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking with Rory Aronson of FarmBot about technology and the home gardener. So, Rory, let's get into more of the details. It can it can, it, it can detect the weather, right? The robot? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So, how does it do that? How does it how does it like take the information of the weather and then turn that into farming practice, so to speak? Sure. So it can do that in two, one of two ways. Um, the easiest way is we can just look up an online weather report, and we can figure out, you know, historically what has happened in years past. We can figure out what happened yesterday and also what's the forecast moving forward. Um, and that's generally pretty reliable information, um, and it doesn't require any hardware sensors on the farm bot side, oh. uh, you know, which, which are expensive. Oh, good. Um, Right, and so that's with, with that information, we can, you know, figure out how to grow our garden in a smarter, more efficient way. Uh, the other method that we can use is using sensors on the farm bot or as tools for the farm bot. Uh, and that helps us learn more about the, the specifics of our garden rather than uh, just call it like the general environment that the garden is in. Um, you know, so if we water and we want to figure out uh, our soil moisture ret- retention rate, we can measure the, the moisture content of the soil uh, every 10 minutes after we've watered, and we can figure out you know, what is the profile look of uh, the moisture content in the soil over time if we water this much and the temperature is, is this, you know, this many degrees out. Uh, and that also is, is data that we can use to ultimately grow smarter and more efficiently. Um, All right. We're also working on other sensors um, for pH and, and temperature of the soil, and that will help us make sure that we germinate things at the right time of year and, uh, you know, learn other things about the soil and the plants that will uh, allow us to be more successful. So how do you, uh, you just started a Kickstarter, you've, you've been wildly successful on this Kickstarter campaign. Um, it's it's really remarkable. Congratulations! It's it's unbelievable the amount of money and the number of of units that you've sold. Um, how do you account for geographic uh, differences, like zone you know seven where we are versus where you are in San Luis Obispo? Yeah, so that that again comes from um, the weather forecast, and and you would enter into the web application where you live. You know, what's the growing environment? Are you in a greenhouse? Are you outside? Are you on a rooftop? Are you in the shade or the sun? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also, you know, specify your geographic location. So then FarmBot knows 
you know, when sunrise and sunset is, and it can pull the local weather. All of the, all those different factors um, is information that uh, the user provides to the FarmBot um, web app and or the FarmBot figures out on its own. Mm-hmm. That's really, that, this, this is, it's really, really a cool uh, uh, idea, and, and it's remarkable. I, I really encourage people to go to the website. And watch and the video. Watch the video, because it is, it's it was, phenomenal. Yeah, it was kind of wild. Rory, so you, I'm guessing you have a few of these of your own, that you've grown some vegetables, some edibles. Mm-hmm. And so tell me, yeah. like, what, um, how much produce did you get, like, in that space, and what kind of produce? What were you growing? Yeah, so we, we've grown a variety of vegetables. I think we've done maybe 13 to 15 different crops so far um, here in San Luis Obispo. Uh, mostly winter veggies, so like leafy greens, um, as well as beets and some other root vegetables, carrots. Um, and, and we've sized the farm bot to be uh, just about the right size for one person's vegetable needs continuously. Mm. Um, so if you have your farm bot set up and you're growing things year-round, um, you know, and fully utilizing the space, we estimate that it will grow enough vegetables for one person continuously, um, which we think is, you know, a relatively appealing mm-hmm. amount. Um, and then we're working on devices for, for families. So larger devices, that would be enough for a family of four or five. Hmm. So what's, um, tell us about the crops that you guys offer and can, could that, through the open source platform, could could I, if something that I wanted was not on that list, could I add to it? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to be entering in a lot of information for, we'll just call it the 30 most common vegetable crops. Um, but we're, the end users are by no means limited to that. Uh, anybody will be able to create their own growing profiles, um, of, you know, whatever exotic crop they want and or with whatever methods they want to use. So even though we're going to provide a lot of the data um, for, for successful growing, uh, the end user is not limited by that. They can really control and configure FarmBot however they want it, however they want it. Is there, are there crops that um, FarmBot is a challenge to grow or or there were there any things that you found was was a little bit more of a challenge to to work that way yeah so you know farmbot is limited right now it's it can it can only do um soil-based seed um growing from seed Mm -hmm. so we can't do anything like from a bulb like um an onion or or flower bulb and we can't do anything like a you know a potato spud or um you know something like that and then you know farmbot is also really great for uh annual vegetables or Mm. you know something that you grow year after year Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be as useful for something like a berry bush where uh you know you put it in the ground once and it just grows bigger and bigger and bigger every year it wouldn't be as useful for that that would be more suitable for like a drip irrigation system right right so I have a question about the economics. The the farm bot costs if you get the kit and everything is about thirty five hundred dollars. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So when does it pay for itself, Rory? I'm sure you've like you know sort of extrapolated that out. You know, when does it when does it pay for itself in in produce, so to speak? 
Yeah, so we've estimated about three to five years. Okay. Um, and, of course, that's dependent on what you're currently purchasing at the grocery store or the farmer's market. Um, it, it really depends on, you know, how you use FarmBot, what vegetables you grow, because everything's a different price, you know, comparatively. Right. But we do estimate about three to five years with the current devices. Uh, over time, uh, when we develop lower-cost devices and even larger devices that can grow more food, uh, the return on investment period will come down. You know, right. if you can imagine that if, if the farm bot costs only a thousand dollars, well, the return on investment period would be one to two years, um, and that is really something that we want to work towards to make the technology more accessible uh, and to you know make it more economically appealing to people. But right now, it is a very expensive device, and um, and so the the return on investment period is a little bit longer. Well, it, I I don't think thirty. I mean, thirty five hundred. That's not crazy. Like I, I think, I think it's you know if you can get it down a little bit, I, I think thirty five hundred is somewhat reasonable compared to organic vegetables at Whole Foods. You know, but mm-hmm. well, like, yeah, and you can. Con- I mean, the advantages are obvious. There's no transport. You're saving. You know, if, from from a purely environmental point of view, uh-huh. right? You are not if if you are. Eating only from the plot, let's say, Rory. You're not paying mm-hmm. for fuel to have any of your vegetables trucked. Right. You completely control. You can choose what you want. There's no water waste. There's, there's no <laughs> water waste, you know, which especially I could see another, another environmental point. In drought-stricken right. times as we are, like Alice and I were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, California drought, everybody knows about. New York has a drought. New York, right. Western Boston New- is having a drought right so now. So there are real environmental benefits. And the fact that you're making it you know, open source as people use it and contribute to it, mm-hmm. I guess ultimately... Bigger and better. It'll just be bigger, better. There'll be more inputs, more ideas, and the scalability should happen faster, right? Absolutely, exactly. And, you know, there, it's also important to, to state that there's a lot of other, um, call it costs or economic benefits, um, or sorry, non-economic benefits. So, for example, like you said, what is the, what is the price that people are willing to pay in dollars mm-hmm. to lower their carbon footprint? Mm-hmm. What is the price that they're willing to pay for a really awesome farming robot in their front yard that impresses all their neighbors? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what is the price that people are willing to pay for um, having control over the food that they eat and having control over how it's produced and they get to choose what they want? And homegrown tomatoes are always better than store-bought. Like, oh, that's yeah. just a fact. Absolutely. So, you know... And Even the, though yeah, I get it. Uh, you can't put a dollar amount on it, there right. is value there that people are willing to pay for. Right, exactly. There's a sort of and the transparency. Right. You know exactly what is going, you know, exactly how your food is being grown. Even, you know, people there's skeptics that just you, you look at an organic tomato, is it organic? What does it mean? Natural, yeah. organic. All these terms are thrown around. You don't really And how know. long has it been in that truck? Like, yeah. that's always my so there's, there's, my guideline. So in a way, we're going way back. By going forward, yeah. you know what I mean. Like we're going way back to how it was done, where you really knew how. Yeah. You know, you knew what you were growing. You grew it. You controlled it. But you exactly. had you had to sweat a lot more. So yeah. <laughs> so where um, where are you getting your seed from? The seeds. The seeds. Yeah. Seeds. Um, yes. That's up to the user. Um, oh, okay. Okay. You know, again, we're not dictating what type of seeds they need to use or what plants they the user can grow or cannot grow. Okay. Um, 
that's all up to the end user. So we'll we'll provide some seeds, um, you know, a starter pack. But okay. um, you know, at the end of the day, we're just going to suggest people go to their local nursery or you know purchase their own seeds online. We'll we'll make a recommendation for you know good sure. quality seeds. Right. But at the end of the day, it's it's all all that is up to the end eater. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Um, oh wait, I just had another question. Um, uh, about weeding. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So what, tell us about <laughs> tell us about the weeding aspect. That's and, our least favorite and gardening the, task. And the bug, the bug pesticide aspect. Yeah, sure. So we have, um, you know, our primary defense against that is polycropping um, and crop rotation. So by planting things uh, with with each other, um, you know, various different crops together. Uh, we can fight off pests and diseases naturally. Um, we can also build the soil and make sure that we don't deplete it of any nutrients. Um, the second defense, though, is our camera system. So, again, Farmbot has a camera that's, that's pointed down. It's looking at the garden all day, every day, and it's taking photos. And then we can analyze these photos and, and monitor the plant health. We can check out, if you know, identify diseases. We can figure out if something didn't germinate properly. Uh, we can also identify... Um, bugs and other pests, and then uh, depending on you know how the user wants to grow their own food, um, you know they can configure FarmBot to take an action or not. Um, okay. You know whatever action you want to be, that could be uh, you know spray some type of pesticide. Maybe it's a you know a petrochemical based one, or maybe it's something kind of natural like mm-hmm. vinegar water or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're that's saying really up to the end user how they how they deal how, with it, how they decide to remedy the um, the situation. So how um, much programming does the end user need to know if they want to add something to FarmBot's kind of repertoire? Yes. Yeah. They they have to know um, some programming. And then one other thing is, um, you know, the weeding. So we're we're constantly taking photos and we're identifying um, weeds in the in the garden. And so then when we identify something, FarmBot can go and right now our our method of choice for removing weeds is just mechanical disruption. So we're kind of able to smash the weeds um, and disrupt their little infant root systems. Um, and then you know that's the end of that. But you could also, of course, pull them out. You could burn them. You could um, pour steaming water on them. You could uh, spray some type of pesticide on them. Um, At the end of the day, all of that is up to the end user, how they want to control the weeds. So FarmBot could be capable of fire if needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I love FarmBot. There's so many things I want FarmBot to do for me. What, so let me ask you this, Rory. What what would you like FarmBot to be able to do that it can't do yet, but that you're like working on? Yeah. So um, I'd really like for it to be able to plant in other mediums. So right now mm-hmm. it's really focused on planting in soil, okay. but there's been a lot of interest in planting, you know, in an aquaponics or hydroponics type system. Yes. Um, which would be really great. Um, you know, then it just opens up FarmBot to that much more possibility. Yeah. Um, Rory, you know, I just keep thinking about about your product and how great it would be in the school environment, in these school gardens. Mm-hmm. There's so many aspects that you've touched upon that I think education could be a, a part of. It's really, really remarkable, um, all the work that you've done. And, and tell us about the Kickstarter campaign and like when that's ending and 
how that's all working. Sure, yeah. You know, so we've actually we launched our product in July for pre-order. Uh, we ended up receiving now, um, about three months later, we just passed a million dollars in pre-sale orders. Um, it's so impressive. So that's been really fantastic. Um, we've seen a lot of interest and actually sold a lot of the pre-orders to educators and educational institutions. Yeah. And that's because FarmBot's a great teaching tool. It teaches, obviously, how to grow food. It also teaches, um, you know, mechanics and robotics and electronics as well as software. I just um, love so it. it's really a great hands-on tool that, at the end of the day, produces something really useful. Uh-huh. Um, it produces food rather than just being some theoretical project or, you know, a project that just ends up in the trash at the end of the day. Right. And what um, I love about so it... got a lot of interest from that. Yeah. I can imagine. And, and what's great about it in the school setting is that one of the challenges for school gardens is that there's... Summertime. Summertime, there's three months or almost three months where the students aren't around, the teachers aren't around, the PTA isn't around, and that's one of the most productive part times of a vegetable garden, and they need a lot of attention. Right. So that would be a great mm-hmm. application in a school garden because then right. September comes around, the thing is taken care of, and the kids can start, you know, start the next rotation of crops or yeah. start harvesting and stuff. Exactly. All right, Rory, unfortunately our time is up. Do you um, plug yourself, give us your website, and is there any last things you want to tell us about FarmBot? Uh, no, I think I think we pretty much touched it all. Yeah, check out the uh, website, farmbot.io. Uh, we have some cool videos on there and uh, a lot of photos, and you can, of course, look at the documentation if, if anyone out there is interested in building their own FarmBot or, or purchasing a kit. And you're still, um, you're still taking orders, right? And you're starting to That's ship? That's correct. And when are you starting to ship those original orders? February, right? February, yeah. All okay. orders will be shipping in February. Um, basically, we, we've accepted about 320 orders so far, uh, and we're producing, we're going to manufacture enough parts for 350 farm bots. So until those 350, until we reach 350 sales, um, every order that we receive will be shipping in February. Good. Good for you. Well, you you are doing amazing work. Keep it up. And um, I'm, I am I might have a client for you. I'm going to talk to them. And if you come <laughs> to New York, bring the farm bot. Yeah, I would love to see it. See it in action. Yeah. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, Rory. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. We talked about FarmBot. Next week, we're going to talk about the fabrication and economic benefits of manufactured stone walls. Right. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. That's our second tech topic. It's a very timely topic, wall building. Wall building. And then, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then... The third part of our series is going to be a review of some um, phone-based mobile apps for plant identification. There's several out there, and we're going to try and talk to a couple of the designers and mm-hmm. uh, do do a little review. Do a little review. So thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for listening. Join us on Facebook at Groundworks Gardens We Dig Plants, on Twitter at We Dig Plants, and on our Instagram account. Groundworks Gardens NYC. And we also have the new podcast, We Dig Plants Podcast.com website. Thanks for listening. Thank you. See you in the garden. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.